Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get right to the romance and find the way to wow this Valentine's with 1-800-Flowers.com. From classic roses and bouquets to decadent chocolate-covered berries, gourmet treats, and more. Surprise your Valentine with 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, get the 18-stem Enchanted Rose Medley for $39.99 or upgrade to 24 red roses for $10 more. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. Mirror man, mirror man, you twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror man. Good morning and welcome to a new edition of the On the Whistle podcast. I'm joined by Johnny and Matt. How guys? No, no fluffing today. No pre, <laughs> no pre-match chit chat. Um, <laughs> let's just get straight into it. I am fucking furious. Right now, after watching um, that 90 minutes, um, I, 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 the full range of emotions, I, I, I feel grievance, I feel sad, I feel angry. Um, you know, there's two points dropped. Um, Johnny, come in with the hottest take. No, well, um, you, you know, you, you kind of laid it out perfectly there. It is the full range of emotions. And, you know, you look at that game and it's hard to leave feeling positive about basically anything. But of course, let's let's talk about the, um, you know, the legit grievance we have with the officiating because there's a penalty in there that is a stonewall penalty. And all throughout the season, these penalties have been given. It's not no ifs, no buts. If your hands out like a scarecrow and the ball bounces off it, it doesn't matter whether you've swung a fucking fist at it the fact is it's a penalty and they've literally said it's Arsenal's turn at getting one of these no we're pulling up the ladder let's change the rules it's an absolute disgrace it really is and um you know that this is this is the part of it where I will actually express sympathy for our outcome you know because that that was shocking but there are so many other things which I'm sure we're going to get onto which are all Arsenal's making and quite frankly we got all we deserved. Matt. I think that was our, was that like our season summed up in 90 minutes? It was, I mean, in 50, it, no, our season summed up in like 10 minutes. Because it was, it was, it was, it was some really promising football, a sense that maybe we're on the right track after all. Saka, Aubameyang, sexy party on the goal build up. Then we had a calamitous Saka mistake, just like, after completely dominating the game, we could have we could have been three 0 up at half time, taking these players off, giving them a breather ahead of Thursday. Uh, some injustice, plain stupidity, uh, leaving things too late, and in the end, I just summed it up, which was just bang average, which is a one all draw with Burnley. You know exactly what you'd expect from a team sitting in tenth. The 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 or penalties, or wherever, wherever we are. Like, now. <laughs> VAR has had a rough week, and if you were writing the script for the Premier League today, you're like, "Look, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you the easiest VAR decision with the handball. We're gonna we're gonna reassure everybody that we can we can do the basics right." And that was the equivalent of uh, you know rolling the ball one yard in front of the goal line and then missing. It I was, think I think the only thing that that made it more that maybe you can say is that he appealed twice and no, and the first one was not a was was not a pen but that's um, the point of the video it's like all right he, he tried to cheat the first time but the second time <laughs> it was actually it was actually correct the whole point of video is that it, 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 there's no need the easiest thing to do is say all right let's let's double check that but yeah. it seems it sounds like 
it was checked. It was checked and they it still they and they it weighed it on. Oh, it's definitely checked. The fact is, is the argument given from a Peter Walton, who was ever in, whoever it was in the stand, was that for his nat- for his natural position in the way that he was standing and he presented, his arm could be there, and at that point, the ball was played onto him because of such close proximity that he couldn't do anything with his arm, basically. And, you know, I understand that argument, but it's the wrong argument in this case. The fact is, is he doesn't need his hand out there. He doesn't, like, at the end of the day, his arm's out there because he's trying to stop Pepe run past him. That is literally what he's trying to do. He's got his arm out so he can stop that run inside him. And then the ball gets played onto it. Well, I'm sorry, you don't, your arm shouldn't be there. And and you've had two goes, it's a penalty. But, you know, it's Arsenal, so they've tried to do us over. And it's so fucking boring having to talk about refereeing decisions across the board every single week. Like the star of the show is VAR every single week. And, you know, last season I was like, oh, people are just moaning and they'll they'll get used to it. But when when your referees have video um, to look at and they still make the incorrect decisions, it starts to focus the eye. Like we've always known that we've had the worst officials in the world but, you know, Wenger had it right. He said, nobody wants to talk about it, but FIFA don't bring any of the English referees to the World Cups. And there's a reason for that, because they're shit. Well, we're getting to the point, I think, and I think you flagged it last week, where an example, looking at uh, rugby, where you've... The only real way that I can see helping the situation now is to have the refs wired so that you can actually understand the conversations so that we could all be here and it may be the same decision, but we could say, well, listen, we heard what they said. They said their perspective was uh, the arm didn't move. Like we don't agree with that, but at least, at least there's a rationale for it where, you know, we have the video evidence, but we're still in this weird space where it's really difficult to still understand some of the decision making so yeah it, yeah. it the in the nfl they do the same thing they have the refs mic'd up and it's it's made clear all the decision making i think that's a really good point you know i i think it's you know it's like the referees union must be as strong as like the police union or whatever no one ever gets held up to account at any point it's yeah. just kind of like listen our our way or the highway and ultimately you know for years we've talked about whether the refs should come out and have to do some kind of press conference, you know, particularly in controversial games and just talk through their rationale, but they won't do it and they've never been forced into doing it. So, you know, at this st- the thing is, is what I would just say is legit, legit, we have cons- we, we have cri- a, a genuine critique of the way it's been officiated, but we didn't lose the game because of the VAR. We didn't lose the game because of the, uh, sorry, we didn't draw the game because of that. There are other mitigating yeah. factors that led us to that miserable result we should have we should have won shouldn't we yeah. i mean 20 25 minutes in i've never seen a, a such a tepid burnley uh you know you know what you get when you go to turf more and for once you know we've been talking about the early goal but for once we got the early goal and you just saw the impact of it they looked they their legs looked tired after their midweek exertions uh, they they weren't crunching into tackles, they weren't pressing us. And at that point, you know, you could almost start looking ahead to Thursday with a nice, easy win at Turf Moor, couldn't you? And and, and it all it all fell apart. I, I don't even think it was, you know, that wasn't the normal Burnley that showed up. We just controlled the game. We, co- we controlled the entire game. Like, you know, we did that against Leeds. You're like, oh, Leeds don't look like they normally look. It's, yeah, it's because we're, we controlled the game. We got it tactically correct. Um, but you know, there's there's this real. Um, I, I it, it, it it's almost like laziness in front of goal. You know, like the um, someone of Thomas Partey's caliber. That that yeah. um, that pass from Erdegaard, uh to thread it. You know, instead of going back to Saka, such a beautiful pass for a fifty million pound player, and he blazed it over like he was a Sunday League centre back, right? Mm. And it's you, you can't account for some of these shocking misses or the, and I, I don't know what it is. Like it's just a lack of concentration or a lack of confidence, but our inability to kill that game off in the first half, you knew it was going to come back and haunt us. But the, 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 the thing that frustrates me about Arsenal this season, any mistake we make is 
absolutely ground into uh, the ground. It's punished to the max. And then um, Granite Xhaka, who's been really good, I, I, really good for a centre midfielder for Arsenal, make, makes his ma- eighth mistake leading to a goal. Eighth. And it was appalling, right? And you're like, oh, maybe he didn't see him. He looked up. He saw him. Yeah. He saw him standing there. And he, it was such a good assist that the, 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 you know, the, the Straga didn't need to do anything. And it's like uh, uh, every single game, there's one of those moments. And I, you know, like criticize the performance and the lack of urgency in the second half. But we had more big chances than we did shots on target today. Yeah, I mean, the, the simple facts of the matter are, you know, and I'm not saying I particularly disagree with anything that you've said there, Pete. It's just more that, you know, the conclusions that one can draw from them. And that is that. The simple facts of the matter is, as far as I'm concerned, where we are now, it's starting to look quite obvious to me that Mikel Arteta's tenure at Arsenal is going to be twinned with Granite Xhaka and, and the entity that is Xhaka within the Arsenal squad. And that is that anyone who's been watching recently knows that he has actually been playing well. Xhaka, on his day, is a good player. It's not like he's a shocking footballer. You know, it's not like Mustafi, where it was just garbage week after week. Xhaka does play well. But when you play Xhaka in the team, you have to acknowledge that part of his makeup is every few games, I am going to let this team score. That's what I'm going to do. That is who I am. That's what I'm bringing to the party. Every couple of games, here you go. I've passed it off Wood. It's gone in the top corner. I've passed it to a defender, and now we're getting scored. Like, you know, these, these mistakes are so regular that they can't be chalked up to erroneous, you know, mind farts. This is who he is. And and Arteta constantly plays this guy. And I'm not saying that before the game, I'm like, why is Xhaka playing? It's just every Arsenal fan knows that he does this stuff. So for me, when you look at those chances, and I, I know you went after party a bit, and I get that, but, but because he's so good, you would expect him to tuck that opportunity. But for me, Saka had a much bigger miss. I, I see Saka as our best attacking player these days. You've got to finish that when you're in there. Aubameyang had another one that he should be tucking away as well. And the fact is, is that when you have players like Xhaka in the team, there's so much riding on these big chances for us because we know that we will give people a chance, you know. And, and a much maligned Leno saved us from actually losing this game today as well, you know, because there were some big chances at the other end. So... For me, I, I, like if Arteta continues to play Xhaka, then he must know. We've talked about this before that it may be, you know, the weather vane for how his, um, you know, career, his tenure at Arsenal goes and might possibly ends. Matt, yeah. are you going to come to the rescue of Granite Xhaka here? I feel like he's he's been yeah. been destroyed yeah. there. Like you love Xhaka, right? I don't love Xhaka, and I think <laughs> he's he's a mistake waiting to happen, and he's an incredible. It's frustrating, but I think. On balance, Arteta's sort of got it right just because I go, what are the other options? I mean, I'd rather have Shaka than El Nenny. El Nenny is just one of the worst footballers. We'll look back and go, El Nenny is one of the worst footballers to ever play for Arsenal, I think. Um, <laughs> Ceballos? And then, and then Ceballos. I mean, he is, I personally think he is not a good player either. Uh, and I know some people like him, but if you think... He's we can't like, be he, spending 25 million on him he's, this summer. He, he, he's like the inverted Xhaka. If Xhaka, you get four good games and one terrible. Ceballos, you get four terrible games <laughs> and one good one. I mean, it's even it's even worse. He's like the inverted Xhaka. Uh, and then and then you look at the others who have, tri- who's, who have been tried in various ways. Well, one is Gwenduzi, um, who because who, that could have been an option. I mean, he's just showing exactly what he's made of on loan. I mean, <laughs> when, he, he dived in his own box. When every coach says, when your new coach says, you know, he's he's like a, a little child, um, that's, <laughs> that's not a good sign. The other option was Torreira, who we love when he came, but he's one of the only players I've ever known who's got sent back from being on loan within about 10 minutes. I don't even know where he, he's, he's been so anonymous. I don't even know where he's playing at the moment. And so, and so you look at it and you just go, how have we managed to spend so much money on such a part of shit in centre midfield? And, you know, I don't think he's got much choice on it. And then, and then, and then you align that with the fact that there's absolutely zero creativity. Like, so, so, you know, we had to go and the loan deals like Odegaard had to be built around someone offensively because 
that was an even more pressing concern. So, you know, I my I see the future of Xhaka as a as a as a squad player, um, and I think he's a good squad player, and clearly he's well liked in the dressing room. None of this is really his fault. It's just it's just sort of where we're at, you know. It's, so, yeah, it's part of his he's part of his makeup. He's a serial mistake offender, and um, I, I I actually. I, 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 you can understand where it's come from. Like Arteta had uh, had a forest fire that he picked up. There's not a lot of money to spend, and he's directed the resource at uh, the most pressing matters. And I think the this summer they're gonna. I think the bulk of the money that they get from sales is gonna go on a high quality, you know, Declan Rice ish style midfielder because we really, really lack it. And um, uh, but the the frustrating thing from today is like outside of blaming refs we 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 had 16 shots four big yeah. chances hit the bar hit the post should have had a penalty but the the worst miss like Nick, nicolas pepe is a 72 million pound <laughs> player and I, I i don't want to pick on him but honestly in a season of amateur misses and fluffs that's got to be that's got to go down as one of the worst fluffed chances of the season like a, a 72 million pound player like this close to completely missing the ball like that lack of concentration is 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 unacceptable in the final third i thought he was actually pretty decent when he came on and maybe wonder w- whether having him on earlier might i mean he causes mayhem it's just sort of general mayhem for our team for their team for the <laughs> system for everything but i thought he was he was decent when he came on but i think We've got to stop talking about Nicolas Pepe, the seventy-two million pound player, because he's you know, fifteen million pound player. <laughs> <laughs> well, seven point two million. Fifteen million. Fifteen, <laughs> 15 million went into Ralph Senyelli's pocket. Some other money went into someone else's, and he ended up as like a twenty-five million pound player. Uh, and what do you think about? I think it's going to make it's healthier for all of us to think of him like that. If we if we still think of him as a seventy-two million pound player. We're going to just be banging our heads against the wall. It's you know another annoying thing about Burnley. They're so like short. Sean Dyche is so fucking basic. They don't water the pitch, and it disrupts our game. You know, like they the the, the pitch was super slow today, and it it rattled us. Uh, you know, it rattles us, and it's like I don't know. But we know, we know what we're getting though, don't we, with Burnley? And, and to be honest, I, I have to agree with Matt. Like I, I actually think Burnley were really poor today. This is not like Burnley have been historically a tough team for us to go away to for obvious reasons. You know, they've taken that over from that Bolton mode from back in the days, and then and then you know um, we've we've had lots of trouble going up northwest and northeast and getting results on those cold days. But ultimately. I think that this Burnley did look like we we were getting to them early and they didn't look like they had an answer. The fullbacks were getting terrorised. Um, you know, Saka was getting for a will, which was great to see. And there we say it, um, you know, the much maligned again, Willian with another assist today. So, um, you know, he, he was also causing trouble. But I, I thought that we weren't, we were matching the intensity of Burnley and they, they looked like they were ready to get beaten today. And that's why that mistake by Shaka was so significant because it completely flipped the flow and tempo yeah. of the game. There's you know, no, before There's no doubt that Sean Dyke came in at halftime and go, boys, you, just, you have been a part of steaming shit or half and you have just had a lifeline and just take it because you have just got a get out of jail card now. And so let's just treat this second half like it's the game. Forget what happened, but don't make the same mistakes again. And they didn't. It was a different Burnley because it was it was the Burnley. That uh, you yeah, but they expect. did make they did make the same mistakes, Matt. I don't I don't agree with that. Look at the chances. We hit the bar. We hit the post. Nicholas Pepe, like if he hits, if he get, if he puts that anywhere near the goal, that's going in. They get they they nearly gave away a penalty. Like we just don't kill off games. We just don't kill off games. And I like it, that that sort of game was um, you know Arteta last season where it's like. A, we have we're thinking fine margins, and I, I like we go one nil up, and then the strikers sort of take the foot off the gas a little bit, and it's like nothing seems that important after we go one nil up. And it's like to Johnny's point earlier, we need to be three nil up. We need to be three nil up mm-hmm. because there is a mistake in the system every yeah. single game. It's Sabios, it's Jaka, it's David Luis. You've got the 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 mistake Avengers 
in yeah. the team. Have you and seen, there's always have, something brewing, and we just we're not dominant in that final third. We controlled that game. Like I think it's that it's that line which is like it's not a bug, it's a feature. It's not like yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's not like oh, there's something in the system that just keeps like flagging. It's like maybe it's the, there's just something about the way we're set up at the moment that means it's so consistent that it's no longer an aberration. Well, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I completely agree with your, your point about, you know, it, it's not an anomaly. But the fact is, is that it's not something about the system. It's these players. We have so many players that are error-prone that you can just basically, when you put a David Luiz and a Xhaka and all of these players piled up that you know are error-prone, you're basically due one a game. I mean, that's, that's the, these are the kinds of odds that we're rolling with now. It's like you've got someone's going to have a brain fart and then we're going to concede. But, you know, the thing, the reason why I think Burnley were, um, you know, really poor in the first half is because they seriously struggle to score goals. So they think if they go 1-0 down to a team at Arsenal, it's over. You know, and in the first half, they, they couldn't do anything. But what what is worrying is we absolutely had chances in the second half, and we should have won that game, but they also had chances. You know, that, that was a class... Uh, there, was a, there was a pot shot that Leno saved really well, but there was a, you know, a one-on-one. Chris Wood should bury us there. There's no question about it. It's a great save from Leno, who does sometimes get absolutely panned, but you got to, you know, hold your hands up when he's delivered there. But, you know, let's be realistic. Pepe has a lot to answer for there with regards to the chances that he, he spurned at the end. And, at the end of the day, like, you know, you can't argue with the results. Like, if it's all, it's all well and good going, oh, we've hit the bar and we're close and, cro-, you know, this. The fact is, is you've got to win. Like, you know, there's loads of reasons we can point to, but I don't care if you, whether we had a clear shot and go or we hit the post or whatever. You have to find a way to win. Otherwise, we're talking about, oh, we could have won this way last week and this way. No, the results are the results. Find a way. Yeah, I th- look, and I, uh, the, I'm immensely frustrated after um, that, but I don't think we've come out of that game learning anything new, right? The squad is the squad. The best players were mostly on the pitch. There's not a there's not a, a, a non-error prone centre midfielder sitting on the bench, you know. Like there's there's not a better striker sitting on on the bench. Um, and uh, the the only promising thing that you can take from this is number one, the club know that like that they are fully aware that they need a centre midfielder. Um, and number number two, like you have to, at this stage of the season where we're seeing, you, you have to look at like underlying factors because you're like, if we put better players into this system next season, what happens? Right, you don't ever make that error. Like you expect to see one of those errors like that next season if you take Jacker out of the system. Um, you've got to hope that these big chances start converting into goals. Sure, Burnley had like two chances today. We had four big chances and some complete misses. You know, like like top players don't don't make those same mistakes. So if we cycle through five players again this summer, which I'm sure we will do then it does get better because you put a good centre midfielder in there, you start taking those chances that we're creating. And these are high quality chances that mm. we're creating now. I don't think you could say that in December. Start of December, you were like, fuck it, you could put Leon and Messi into this setup and it would still be shit. But uh, I wanted to bring, like, just go back on, on one point that I, that, I, that I kind of love. Smith Rowe is such a loss in, in that side. Like you, you know, there's a there's a rolling XG chart of you know Arteta's Arsenal, and it's going down. Then Smithrow comes into the team, and it pings up, and it's like even if he's not creating the final ball, um, he he pulls people out. He's like powerful, like he runs. Take him out of that side, and and it's and it, it starts to feel a bit pre December. Like his energy and his presence on the pitch today. Like I think if you have him in that starting eleven, you don't get that result today. You know, Martin Odegaard versus Smith Rowe for impact and influence, like chalk and cheese. And I appreciate that, you know, one is adapting to a country, but my word, did we miss him? I, I think um, it's a great point. Like, I genuinely, the, your your take on it, I, I don't um, have any issues with it. Like, 
you see it like that, and I can completely see why you do. But I don't. Compl- I'm not sold on that yet because, like, for me, when you're saying like the system is working because we're creating chances, but we just have a lack of personnel. I I understand how you could conclude that from what you've seen. But the problem comes in for me is I'm not completely sure that we haven't got a guy, you know, in Arteta and the way that we're set up, who will always find a way to mess it up at this stage. Because some of the ways that we're losing these games are just ridiculous. And it's not one-offs. So I get the fact that it's the personnel, but also I don't exclude ownership of the personnel when talking about Arteta he still procured the most of well, the squad I think I think that's a really interesting point and, and just before I hop off which is he was asked in the week how 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 long is it until you believe that this team is your team like how close is it to being an Arteta team in terms of like personnel and and the way of state of play and all of that and he said very 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 far away and for me I thought that was terrible leadership um, because for me, it's when you're the coach, it's your team and it's Mikel Arteta's team and he's had a year and a half. And I know people will say, oh, but he's trying to get new players and he's trying to do this and it's politics and it's all of that. But the reality we're, we're is... We're 10th in the league, Matt. We're 10th in the league. You can't come out and say it's fucking perfection, my friend. No, 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 look not at, perfection, but he, has to, but, but, but he has to take responsibility and, and go, look, it's my team because I'm the coach. And it's my responsibility. And I think that point about the system is last season, he had a system that worked with the players we had that, was, that wasn't pretty. It was like pure counter. You know, we, we won the FA Cup using it. And I do wonder whether, we, whether maybe we've just gone too, gone too far the other way and we need a slightly better system that works with the players we've got now. There is a hybrid between the two that means that we can get results in the short term as well as build towards the long term. Because... Um, you know, it's it's just it's just not good enough to still be here. And look, we have to look at it as a, as a, as a group of games. And if we beat Olympiacos and we beat Spurs, then all is well with the world. That's the reality yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's, you know, they always used to say, look, we like doing it the hard way at Arsenal, and we really do because if there were if if we were going to pick up points, it's so much easier to pick up the points against Burnley than yeah. it is against Spurs next week. And it's so much more difficult to now, because he just keeps inviting this pressure on himself. Because now if he loses to Spurs, he's lost a few Premier League goals on the games on the bounce and he's under real pressure. And that, that's the bit that I fear for him because he never alleviates the pressure. It's just on him all the time. And I know that's part of Premiership management, but my God, this was a game where he should be going into Olympiacos flying high and instead it's, you know, bumbling along. But I, you know, like put what manager in the world are you putting into this club and they stop Jacker doing that? Like that's the that's the like what what manager in the world stops Danny Ceballos doing that? Um, we've subbed Matt off seventieth uh, <laughs> minute and Arsene Wenger sub out. No one's coming on though. I'm just pleased. I'm just pleased that I'm getting the full ninety. To be you're fair, getting, you're getting the full ninety today. <laughs> they, yeah. they had they had my number up, and they went, yeah. "No, no, Matt's got to go." Johnny, you got ninety today, mate. Yeah, <laughs> um, um, yeah. No. I I I think. Um, look, if if it was the same shit that we were seeing last season, but it's like I don't I don't think there is a manager in the world uh, like that stops those mistakes happening. You know, like Tuchel has turned a top four team into a top four team because he's got brilliant players to work with. I don't think we're I don't think we're at that level at the moment. And the sad thing is that David Luis is a starter in that defense. Uh you know, Jacka is a starter in that midfield. And I think I think when we change out those players and get rid of some of those, you know, the more problematic um characters in the squad then I'm hoping that there's an upturn because I don't think that you I don't know how you I don't know how you come out of that game we should be winning but also like a, a 27 year old international midfielder shouldn't be making a like shouldn't be giving an assist in his six yard box so I don't know like I I, I still think you can take bits out of it but the the results thing you know because we probably will we probably will beat Spurs now and it's not not everything is right in the world and what I hope is if we win the next four games, my hope is that we don't go into the summer and we're like, and Arteta does the thing again where he's like, I think I can get a turn out of these players. 
You know, Jacker has to go in the summer. Eight mistakes leading to goals is shocking. Um, he, he has to not sign Danny Ceballos. Um, you know, he, he has to get some of those older senior players that just aren't good enough, has to get them out of the squad. He has to sell them. And even with Nicholas Pepe, you're like, if you can, if you can get any fee for him, like, is, 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 he, is he good enough? Like, you know, the, 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 you know, we see two good games and then we see a miss like that. And I know, I know that he was a handful, but it's, 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 those, it's not even fine margins. Like, oh, if, if he'd connected with the ball, like that shouldn't be the argument. It should be oh, if he didn't hit the inside of the post. Yeah, I mean, do you know, do you know, it's so interesting, like your take on it, you, I think you're a little bit more forgiving than where I'm coming from on this. I really do. And, I, and it's not that I think, you know, what you're saying is illogical or anything like that. I, I do get where you're coming from. I just, I think you're being a bit, a bit too kind. You know, we, we are further down the line now. And this is like we, we're still talking like he's just taken over from Emery. You know, the fact is, we're like, oh, maybe this summer he'll get rid of Xhaka. He's had 18 months now, you know, and, and he's still an integral role, you know, still starting an integral role as part of our team. And there are like, you know, when you look at managers who come in and do kind of great jobs and stuff like that, it's always using players who maybe you weren't expecting who come through and start putting in serious shifts in midfield. I'm thinking like a, you know, a Jordan Henderson or something, somebody who's laying around at Liverpool, not really doing much. Suddenly he starts raising his game. And I'm looking at someone like, Jackie, you say, you know, we've got no other options, but, and, you know, it's easy to say, what about if we did this, you know, in revisionist history, but, you know, Ainsley Maitland-Niles with good legs, you know, who just never got given a chance. Could he, would he have done that in centre midfield? Would we be losing much? If And this isn't to say that I do think Xhaka has played well lately, but I can't give Arteta a pass for this stuff because you there are no surprises. When Xhaka did that, I'm not surprised because this is what he's done. I would be surprised if he stopped doing this now because that is who he is. He's always shown us who he is. So... For me, like, we have got... In the space of that game, I went in the first half to thinking, do you know what? He's got us playing quite well here and still not to the level I'd want us to be, but I was seeing those signs of improvement. But it almost doesn't matter. It's not like we're playing like Barcelona or anything. It's improved, but when you've always got that sucker punch coming um, at the other end or always that risk of that sucker punch, it's so hard to feel enthusiastic about the future because I need to start seeing these mistakes getting eroded out at this point, just to feel like we really can turn a corner and challenge for those, you know, places where we need to be. I, I, I do, I do think that that point that you raised there about, you know, Maitland Niles. It's like if we're going to have mistakes in the system, whose mistakes would you prefer? And for me. Give me, give me Maitland Niles' mistakes because he's mobile, he's young, and I've not watched it for five seasons. It's yeah. like, it's like I, I would prefer to watch uh, the the youth brand of fuck ups. Yeah, because yeah. at least at least you know there's you know at twenty two, twenty three years old, like the only way is up, right? With Granite Xhaka, it's like it's it's consistently him over and over and over and over again, and even you know. There's not a huge upside to Jacker either. You know, like I think, he, you know, we, we sit here and we celebrate competence in our midfield, just the, the, the basics. You know, it's, it's a good Jacker game when he doesn't set up a real great opportunity for the opposition. And it's, it's such a low standard. It's such yeah. a low standard, at least with Maitland-Niles. You know, like, I don't know whether he has the, the full range of passing, but there's a bit more daring to his game. Yeah. Right? And... um and he's he he can be a fast passer. There's 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 flair. He can he can he can score, but he can cover a lot of ground. And I think he opens up the team. You know, like the the frustrating thing that I had is like we've had a week to prepare, and it was it felt flat at times. You know, I know that we created really good chances, and maybe you could blame the pitch because it slowed down the game a little bit. But in the second half, you're like, where is the uh, where's the panic? Not not panic. That's the wrong word. You know, you don't want panic in the system. But it didn't. It, it didn't feel like being one nil down with a peak Arsene Wenger side. The with urgency. Three, yeah, the, the 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 urgency. And it's like, is that is that part of the system as well? 
that it's very choreographed and they want to make sure when the chance comes, it's real, you know, real top of the line because I don't know, you know, look, but we, we had 16 shots today, you know, yeah, like, yeah, 16 shots, only three hit the target, some unbelievable misses. Everything is there to win that game, but we didn't. It, 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 exactly. But the thing is though, and I agree just to come back on that point a little bit in terms of the Xhaka stuff, it's, you know, when you talk about, you know, previously with Ozil bedding into our system and being like, look, at the t- this is when we were actually good as well. <laughs> this is when right. we were like, you know, in top four, trying to push on for a league and people legit talking about whether Ozil could fit into a league winning team because whilst he offers so much on his good days, like going forward, it's the crunch games against big opposition, like our direct rivals and if he has those games we went missing, could we afford to have essentially a luxury player like that? Now, Granite Xhaka offers the same kind of predicament, but he's not a luxury player. It's can you afford to have a guy who is a competent midfielder, but will have strange, erroneous errors that will lead to goals and lead to us losing games? And I don't think we're good enough to have players like this in our team. This is my point. Like, And if... Arteta is picking a team and he has to take some of that burden because if you have a David Luiz, let's just try and put figures on. I'm not saying they're directly accurate, but, you know, proportional. If David Luiz is going to say, I am going to lose you on my own three games a year and Granite Xhaka is going to say, I'm going to lose you three games a year as well because my fuck-ups are going to come in certain games, Luiz is in another, and then you've got to say, like, are we willing to give up six games a year because of this double accumulator of like, you know, error prone players? Or you say, is it better to have a more unspectacular? We've talked about Maitland Niles and maybe there is someone else there, you know, who is just going to be more solid and less um, spectacular than Xhaka has been over the last few weeks, but it's just not going to do this, you know, because at the end of the day, we might have made loads of chances, but clearly we've got issues with our finishing right now, which means that it's even more important to not give the other team a goal. Yeah, I'm the 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 finishing thing is more alarming. Like I, I, I we should like I think the way that we're playing at the moment should be generating three goals a game, right? And I, I don't think that that was built into the accounting at the start of the season. Aubameyang just not not finishing. Lacazette, I, I love I love how he plays. Um, you know, I, I, I he 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 brings um he brings the best out of other players, but you can't ignore that he doesn't score goals. Uh, you know, Nicolas Pepe doesn't score a lot. I, I mean, the main the main hope is that young players develop goal scoring as they get older. And, you you know, we're seeing that a little bit with with Saka, but Saka should be doing more and hopefully next season he will. And maybe Smith-Rowe and then maybe Erdegaard grows with it. But you really, you know, part, part of the thing that we're going to have to look at in the summer is like, where are the goals coming from at the moment? Because Nicolas Pepe gets in enough chances that he should be a 15, a 15 goal a season player, right? Saka, should be 15 to 20 goals that that should be built into the accounting but at the moment like you you uh, is is Aubameyang going to get to 20 goals this season i don't i wouldn't have thought so no you know um it's an expensive kink in the system it's a very it's a very good point and this is one of the big worries one of the big concerns for me um you know about the basically high level players now thomas party looks, you know, whether he had a chance or not. You know, the fact is we didn't sign Thomas Party to bang in 25-yard curlers on, you know, bouncing knee high. You know, yes, do I would I like to see that go in? Absolutely, because that's the level I think he can play at. But, you know, it's it's hardly a guilt-edged chance, even though it was, it was bouncing to him. And so for me, you are going to get players miss those chances, even though I'd like to see it go in. Saka's one really alarmed me because, and this is why... You know, it's difficult when you have your best players being young players. Because I'm sitting there looking at a 19-year-old who's played, what, 50 games. And I'm like, you've got to score that, mate. (laughs) Like, it's not good enough. You have to score that chance. But he should be allowed to miss. You know, he's been our best best attacking player this year. He should be allowed to miss every now and then. It's not like he does. There's other times he scores great goals. But in this kind of setup with these players, Saka has to score that. 
because we can't afford those chances to get missed because like we've kind of talked about, later in the game, Pepe's going to come on and he's going to miss open goals. So we, if you get these chances, you've got to tuck, tuck them away. And, you know, but then again, look, what, you know, there is a name that answers some of these questions potentially that means that even more pressure comes on the decision-making with the lineups. Where is Gabriel Martinelli? Why is he not getting a go? You know, at the end of the day, we can look at this situation and go, Willian started and granted he got another assist today. You know, I, I can't lay into him too hard because he, he, he actually assisted the only goal we've got. But I don't think he's the answer. And if Martinelli can't get a go in this formation, in this setup, when we are goal shy, what is, what's, what's wrong there? You know, what's wrong? Because I do think he needs to be given a much more of a chance than what he's currently getting. Yeah, I, I was, I was, I was wondering what the problem was today, but I, I think that it's because Martin Odegaard was stinking out the, the place, and I think that he needed to bring on Lacazette not as a striker, but to to link up play. And if you're not creating chances in the second half, bringing on another striker to sit there and not get any chances was problematic. And I think that like maybe the maybe the calculation was that Nicolas Pepe would offer more, and he. He offered he offered quite a lot, but yeah, like longer term, it's like what does what does he have to do to get more involved? Because um, Lacazette doesn't score goals. I mean, you, you know, we don't have a a Jack Relish like player, and we need one. You know, someone that's just going to pop up, score goals, make decisive decisions in the final third. We don't have that in the system yet, and I think that Saka and Smith Rowe and Erdegaard. Uh, you know, after another six months might be those players. But like, we we really need to, um, you know, address the errors in the system. And I think that means Danny Ceballos, sorry, but you're going <laughs> to you're gonna be with Madrid next season. And it means Elneny and Xhaka. Like, you need three centre midfielders um, next season. But uh, like, uh, addressing, like, you know, you, you can create all you want. But if people aren't willing to put it, not willing, if people don't Capable. put it in the back of the net, yeah, then, mm. then 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 you're going to be in trouble. But the 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 season in the league is so done. I mean, we're not even Europa now, right? We're no, so no, out no. of it. Which might it, it, I'd say that that was a good thing, but it's not because if we're not in Europe next season, that's forty million that we don't get to spend on addressing probably five or six positions this summer. The the fact is, Pete, like you know, we are a week on from the conversation we had last week. And, um, you know, I say that because obviously everyone was bouncing after the Leicester win. And, you know, understandably, but I was saying on here that, you know, whilst I'm elated with the result, you know, there's a bit of temperance there because, you know, you have to uh, temper your reaction in the sense that, um, for me, as I said at the time, if we go out to Olympiacos, I don't know how you can look at this season as anything other than unmitigated disaster um, with little to nothing to look forward to realistically because that's how serious this game is now for me if we go out at this point in the Europa League the league is an absolute car crash you shouldn't even look at the league table it's 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 you know because you can't just focus on things like oh we hit the post or VAR or something Look at the league table. Like, you know, the old adage is these things even out a little bit. And yeah, we've been a bit unlucky, but it's not like, you know, as bad as, you know, some people have had it in in previous years. The fact is, is we are where we deserve to be. And, you know, we've really got to buck that trend. And I think that can only really, I think we can only really look at this season as anything other than an absolute car crash of which there will you know, there will have to be, you know, people taking responsibility and facing the consequences, including the manager, if that does happen. And the only other way that's going to be averted is if we do do very well in the Europa League, hopefully winning it. But if not, I, th- I suspect the final might be enough to appease people. But an early crash out in this, it's just been shocking. And I don't know how anyone can say with any real confidence, you know, moving forward, that it's it, you know we're in the right setup to uh, progress. I, I don't think anyway. Yeah, I mean, like I, I'm not expecting us to go out of the the Europa League. I think we're going to beat Olympiacos, and um, you know we don't have a good record against Olympiacos. I was thinking yep. back to uh, Champions League 
when we got knocked out of the Champions League. And uh, that, you know, that, that, those were the days. And, you know, obviously we're avenging last year because Olympiacos were part responsible for shutting down the Premier League. But I am, I'm, conf- <laughs> I'm confident that we're going to be Olympiacos. And yeah, you, look, the, the, there's, there's two, two sides of the coin, right? You, you can be, the Premier League is all that matters. And sure, like we can go with that. But this has also been a fucked up season. Like we're like Jurgen Klopp has lost eight games this season with um, you know an incredible squad. Things are not normal um, this season, and Arsenal is starting from a very bad position. And Liverpool, Liverpool hired Jurgen Klopp after he finished seventh or eighth um, with a really good Dortmund side, and they hired him uh, because of XG. Like they're they're, an, they're analysts, they're, they're they're NASA analysts. Said he is is just incredibly unlucky this season. He's a fucking great coach, and now look where they are. And I know it's not quite the same, but I do think underlying performance metrics that show more expected goals and less expected goals against is you know Emery had the opposite. Emery was flying in the table and everyone's like the table's the only thing that matter and it's like no underlying performance is what matters and eventually underlying performance caught up with Emery and then we realized that he was a fucking fraud and then he was out mm. Miguel Arteta is uh doing badly in the table but we are seeing better performance we're seeing better chances um the luck thing you know I I, I you should play your way out of luck like today shouldn't be about the referee sadly it is um Today should have been like we should have won, but if you take those unforced errors out of the last, you know, fifteen games, we're in a better place. But the challenge is, will Arteta recognise that his favourite Granite Xhaka is part of the problem? Will he recognise that Danny Ceballos is probably never going to be the, you know, the midfield that he wants and make tough decisions this summer? Because, like, maybe we can write off last summer because it was so short. But my worry is, like you said before. Ainsley goes out on loan because he makes mistakes. Xhaka starts every game, makes the same mistakes. So it's like... Worse mistakes, you know. Worse, worse, yeah, mistakes. W- worse mistakes because he's senior and he's getting 90 grand a week. So, yeah, this, this season is shit. It's shocking. Should never happen again. But I I, I wouldn't... I, I, I think the project is uh, is going in the right direction. And I think if you add some quality this summer... You don't get games like today, or you maybe get one game like this a season, and that's I, I, that's what I think. I do think for me, and I get your point. And this is the thing, you know, that hopefully this is what people listen to this podcast for. They, you know, they've got people with different opinions and stuff. And I do get like it's not like I'm listening to you and thinking, "What are you talking?" About? I get where you're coming from. I don't agree with it though. I think it's right. a bit of a false equivalence with Klopp. You know, the fact is, is Klopp was already a league champion. He'd, he'd won, won, the, won the league out in Germany when Bayern Munich were absolutely rampaging out there. He'd got to the Champions League final. So he'd proven his pedigree that he could do all this. Mikel Arteta's won an FA Cup in half a year and he's riding around on that. And the fact is he's not had a job before that. So I don't think he's built up this kind of cachet in the game that we can all go back and go, look, Let's, let's look at XG. The fact is, is this is who we don't even need to look at XG. This is who we're getting right now. Like, it's his 18 months. Look at his body of work. And there has undoubtedly been some good. Definitely. No, you can't argue with it. There's definitely been some good. But there's without a question been some, not just bad, some shocking and some really questionable um, tactical um, issues as well as like kind of mentality when he's coming out saying weird things in the press, which kind of you know make a rod for his own back at that point. So again, I'm not saying that I'm not saying at this stage I think he's completely cooked. But reality is, is I am taking it off of 18 months. If he goes out in his Europa, and I'm not saying we will because I like you, I think we'll beat Olympiacos. Yeah, but for me, I think we're going to need another because at the end of the day, we get in the quarterfinals of Europa. It's, oh, shit. It's, yeah. Yeah. it's about the optics, right? Uh-huh. You know, the fact yeah. is, is that you look at it, we surrendered in the FA Cup, the competition we held, to a poor Southampton team who have gone on to lose virtually every game since then. Um, we have the league campaign. I can't remember a worse league campaign. This may be the Stuart Houston year, you know, like that kind of, this is how far we're going, but it's awful, awful. 
And then if we go out in the Europa League after the second year of being in there to the same, well, if not the same team that he got locked out last year to, you know, potentially to a, a, a British rival in the next round. You know, I'm thinking about all of the news stories that could be coming because it's all about the mentality with a fan base for how Arteta, you know, hangs on. If the, if we go out in poor fashion, whatever way that would be, then it's hard to spin a story for why we should continue with this experiment. So, you know, I think the next couple of weeks are going to be absolutely, you know, vital for how Arteta is perceived and whether ultimately he has a future with us. Yeah, and and I think that your points um, are, are completely valid and it's like, it's literally, it's the, it's the nuance, right? It's like you either, you're, you look at the season um, holistically and I have selective memory. Uh, <laughs> because if, if if you look at the season holistically, then Arteta's got to go. If you look at the, if you say, all right, part of the part of the price with a young manager is nearly every young manager has a shocking run like that. Jurgen Klopp, when he was at Mainz, he was fired in his um, in his second season, I think, because um, he got he got them relegated. I think he got them relegated. So if we if, if if we say all right, he got it out of the system. He's not picking up eighteen. You know, he's not picking up one manager's problems. He's picking up twelve seasons of neglect and a lot of bad decision making. He's picking up uh, you know a sporting director that didn't have the best interests of the club at heart. And he's you know he's made some of his own errors. But if you look at Arsenal from Christmas onwards, and you look at every single performance, there aren't many bad performances in there. There's some bad luck. There's um, there's some unforced errors. You can fix unforced errors with with you know Pep Guardiola play uh, like tactics and nothing without players. And you know Pep Guardiola was on fraud watch last season. Everyone said he was <laughs> finished. Now look at him. Put better players in the system in this Arteta system, and I think we go places. And that's the bet, right? It's like fire him now. Who do you like? Who are we gonna? Who, who you know? Who are we gonna bring in? Who are we gonna be able to attract with our problems? I'm not sure. So I, I would like to see how it plays out. He's got to have a good Europa League run. There's got to be something for the fans. Yeah, it's got semi-finals for me. It's got to, you know semi-finals is is the standard Minimum. in this competition. Wenger at his worst made the semi-finals. Emery, who were a, a garbage manager. Um, made a final. I, we need to see semi-finals minimum this season, and really, like we got to be beating Spurs. <laughs> yes. We really have to be beating yeah. Spurs and West Ham. Um, yeah. So now, now we're 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 back in it. So it's a shit result today. I think there are there are mitigating circumstances, um, but I I still think we're on a I still think we're on a good path. And I think under I think I'm hoping that we'll look back uh, next season and go underlying performance metrics told us the story and that's why we're having a good season this season um but also you know if he's just the manager and he can't if he if he can't get it over the line next season then you have to say well probably got to try something else because you can't keep on pointing to bad luck and player misses and unforced errors if you're part then you're part of the problem if you put new players in and it's still shit then he becomes the problem and then you have to make a decision like Chelsea did yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I, I agree with all of that. I really do. But it's just more a case of, you know, in terms of my perspective, I completely agree. I think minimum, minimum semi-finals. May, uh, for me, because we've had such a bad final, it's hard after, unless we get to the final, really, because then there's, we've done badly or, you know, at best average in every but one competition there. Um but, you know, the thing is, is it ultimately comes down, as you say, to whether we are playing good enough football to make you believe we are a few different players away slotting into this tactic strategy to actually, you know, really seeing positive results. And, um, you know, I, 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 I am encouraged in some ways. And then there's other times I'm just like, I don't know whether we've got one of these managers who would always find a way of something bad will happen regardless. You know, it's not just, it's not just, you know, a bit of bad luck. I think bad luck when it comes this with this much regularity, like certain people can find it. They'll root it out, you know, in football. So I, I, I don't, 
I don't, I'm not, I'm, as I say, I, it will really come down for me to how he performs in the Europa. And I don't think it's a bad thing for him to feel that pressure because we should be playing our absolute hearts out in that competition. It should be. And, and also, you know, the league's an absolute mess now. Save the Tottenham game, you know, which we have to win. We should be resting everyone we can. You know, they should be getting two weeks off ahead of the Europa Leagues if they need to, because it is all or nothing on that for me at this it's stage. The thing, yeah, it's the thing. And I, and, and like, I, I'm, I, I actually like that Arteta said that there's a long way to go in the press. Like, you can say that's poor leadership, but if he'd come out and said everything was rosy, the fans would say, "What the, what the hell are you looking at?" There is a long way to go um, in this project, and. Uh, but he can't hide behind how far the project has to go. He has to start delivering. We've got a good enough starting 11. Actually, I think we've got a good enough squad right now. I mean, I think we've got enough creative players. We've got enough strikers. There's power, there's pace. Um, you know, I guess the only the only place that we lack really is centre midfield. I think everywhere else is pretty decent. We should comfortably beat Olympiacos I doubt it will be comfortable because it never is in Europe um, and if we can avoid Spurs in the next round then we should make the semi-final like I really I really think that and then once you're in the semi-final it's a roll of the dice right uh, it would be it would probably be four pretty decent teams but none of the there's there's no one there's no Man City in the Europa League right no. there's no one that you're like well if we draw into Milan we're in trouble. Um, it's so- United, isn't it? United are the best team left in it. Uh, but I yeah. still feel like the way our teams match up, we would have a good shot at United. We've got we've had a good record of, against them in the league this year. Um, you know, the fact is a lot of their strengths m- match up well with our strengths because as long as Thomas Partey plays, you know, he'll be a- around Bruno Fernandes in similar areas. I think Partey's hustle disrupt United well and he's got enough ability to not be scared of them pressing and we've got enough to hurt them because they are vulnerable at the back but you know what what you're talking about is after Olympiacos there were a couple of fixtures you know you know um I think we've even mentioned this in the pod before like in WWF or WE where it's a retirement match you know and the fact is is if we were to get Spurs in the next round I think you're talking about if you lose that game, someone's getting sacked and they're going to have to. Because if Spurs knock us out of Europa League in a season like this, it's just all done. You, and you don't, want your, you don't want Jose. You don't want Jose <laughs> over two legs. Like no, final, you don't. A final, like, I'm comfortable. Mourinho over two legs. That would be that would be a real, that, that would be a, a worry. Even for all the marbles, and the thing is, I think he could get sacked if we did them as well, because it would be that game where yeah. you just couldn't justify the seasons for either fan base if we lose with the bitter rivals crowing over us of we knocked you out. It's you know we are. This is what I'm trying to say is there is excitement growing in the season because I think we're getting to a real D day, you know, at this stage where it's like we are going to have to see results. And it's not going to be, there's going to be no excuses. It's not going to be, oh, the ref did us. You have to win or it's over because that's the way the season's shaped up. And 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 there can't really be any complaints because in the league, they've already had, what, 30 opportunities to get it right and they've, and they've fluffed them. So the fact is, is, you know, you can't, you can't hide from the pressure at this point. You have to go in and embrace the challenge and, and that includes the manager looking at it and going, I think if I do lose in those big games, there's going to be a clamouring from my removal. And I can't let that happen. So we have to go hammer and tongs for this result and, you know, uh, deal with the consequences if we don't. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. The season is, uh, I, would, I wouldn't say nicely poised, it's badly poised. But <laughs> yeah. it's, it's poised either cliff way. Right? Yeah, it's cliff edge. <laughs> right. Well, that, that uh, I feel... Um, I feel that that po- this podcast, I got it, we got it out of the system. I'm, oh, absolutely! I'm, I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling like that was a bit of a therapy session. So, um, uh, Johnny, do you want to tell um, people about your new series of the podcast and when they can find it? 
Absolutely, yeah. The How's Your Father podcast is my um, uh, podcast about all things fatherhood. Um, I talk to a range of different funny and interesting people um, who are fathers and talk about their experiences, as I say, a whole different range of issues around fatherhood. Or even there are a few female guests I've had on as well who are talking about their perceptions of fatherhood, whether it be their own fathers or partners, starting families themselves. So, yeah, it's kind of funny, irreverent conversation around parenting. Basically, everyone's got a dad, haven't they? You've got no excuse to not listen to this podcast. Check it out where you get all uh, your podcasts. Brilliant. Um, And Johnny, thanks again for jumping on the podcast. Um, it's been a pleasure and if you are listening to this podcast you know the deal get onto iTunes give it a five star rating maybe say something nice about Johnny just just drop it in there let's see let's see who's who's got a nice review of Johnny because he's been on this show quite a lot and I haven't seen a review about um, Johnny uh, okay all right on that note ciao for now Streaming your favorite shows, movies, live sports, breaking news, exclusive originals, and every live WWE pay-per-view. It's The Office, Chrisley Knows Best, and Peacock original shows like Funky Brewster. Peacock, watch for free, upgrade for more. Stream now at PeacockTV.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.